0: Okay, everybody, welcome to episode number 51 of the John Riley Project. It's, uh, we're broadcasting from rainy Poway, California. So it's the May gray and, uh, we're kind of feeling a little bit, I think, you know, Poway's still a little bit sad. Calypso doesn't do rain. I worried about you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is Pete Neal, who has joined us here. Um, He's our it's like Regis Philbin and David Letterman. He's a very common guest here on the podcast. We always love having Pete here. And Pete, yeah, you drove Calypso in the rain. Was it a little squirrely going down Pomerado Road? No, I behave myself. I,
1: I, I did a, I I drove like John.
0: Yeah, I drive like a grandma. <laughs> Pete does not drive like a grandma no. when it's dry outside. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, today what I was hoping we could talk about um, – was the the Long Beach Grand Prix, and you were kind enough to invite me to join you. This was like about four weeks ago, and I just wanted to share some thoughts, some observations, and I want to get your input. And I think um, we we have a lot to talk about there. We can talk a little bit about your your uh, big road trip, and you know, I just did a road trip not too long ago, and so I think there's some fun things we can th- discuss. Um, Pursuit of happiness. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's the deal. So the, my my podcast is about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And so what I try to do is to touch on topics that embrace those three themes. And sometimes when I talk about life, I'm talking about things like they're sort of self-improvement and tips in life that I like to share. When I talk about liberty is typically when I look at politics and I look at through the lens of liberty. But then when we discuss um, the pursuit of happiness, that's when we get to meet exciting people like you and and many others that have been on the podcast that have have, that are that are really doing what they love. And and that's really one of the things that I enjoyed about the Long Beach Grand Prix. And when we got there, the pageantry was fabulous. You know, I mean, this is an event that I've always heard about, I've been in Long Beach when they were setting it up one year, about eight years ago or so, but I had never actually attended. And it was always something that, you know, other people went to, it wasn't like a big thing for me because I'm not really a, a big car racing guy, you know?
1: Historically, the Long Beach Grand Prix was not that big a race
0: and, and they've scaled it down. I mean, it's now just
1: a hundred minutes. It's a short race. Right. Okay. And it's a short track and it's city streets. Okay. But for Southern California, it's a big deal. Right? It's a big
0: deal. Yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: Um, but over the last few years, okay, there's this one turn where we sat. Yeah. All right. That has become uber critical in the race. Oh, yeah. People are talking about it, and it's becoming a big thing. So that's why the Long Beach Grand Prix is big.
0: Yeah, it was It was huge. And, you know, when we first arrived, we went to um, – what did they call it? The Corvette Paddock, right? Corral. Corvette Corral. Pardon me. That, that makes sense. Yes. The alliteration of the C's. So we were in the Corvette Corral and surrounded by all of these other Corvette enthusiasts. And that that in and of itself was great uh, because you could feel this um, uh, this passion for a common interest, mm-hmm. right? These weren't just car fans. These were Corvette car fans that were really deep in their niche, you know, and uh, very dedicated, loyal, passionate, and such positive energy in that room. Um, So people of, you know, a lot of different ages. I mean, you had commented when we got there that most of the Corvette owners are older,
1: Aloha shirts and gray hair.
0: Yeah, that's a good explanation. But there were a lot of younger people, you know, and it was a little bit of a diverse crowd, too, you know. And so it was nice to see a lot of people really enthusiastic about it. And I would assume that there were corrals for other categories of cars, right?
1: Not as well populated. Of
0: course not. Yeah. (laughs) But the, the people were so friendly and so nice. And then, you know, then the, you know, later, um, in the day, the, the, um, there were a number of representatives from General Motors that were there that spoke about the C eight that's coming out that and they had raffles and trivia games and the people in trivia were just unbelievable. You know, it's like what year was the last production, you know, I mean like 1956? I was mildly addicted compared to those. Oh, people. some of these like, unbelievable. Yeah. And so I I love that. Um, that because I I'm kind of really passionate about baseball, Mm -hmm. Um, but I love seeing other people really passionate in their category and for, for everyone was pursuing their happiness, right? This was something that was of value to them and they made a big point being there. They were, it was, it was a huge affinity and such positive Warm energy in that room. A well, lot in a tent. It was a big tent. Big tent. Yeah. Big tent. Um, so that was terrific. But then, you know, we were walking around. You know, we went to the paddock.
1: That's where you picked up the word. We went to the paddock area. Uh, okay. Down. So right.
0: the paddock is on the inside Same of the track, back. the infield, I guess you would call it. Right. And that's where we got to see the cars that were essentially the pit crews were working on the cars. Yep. And that was cool, too, because not only are you able to observe the mechanics, but you but then there's all the fans there. And like, you know, the Corvette people are at the Corvette paddock and the you know what I mean? The Porsche guys are the Porsche group. And um, so everyone was kind of aligning with their teams, but they were. There was a, of course a friendly rivalry, but it was still very you know very modest right it wasn't quite like Red sox Yankees right okay yeah, yeah. but it was still good and um and and then it was like a like a like the Del Mar Fair you know with mm-hmm. the street vendors and um, the food and and everything and that was good the music there was a lot going on a lot um, of activity, tons of it, but the thing that blew me away was um right when we you know, eventually we went up to the bleachers when the race started. Right. Right. And this is after they had done, you know, their warm-up laps and everything else. And, um, the cars came to the starting line, they approached and then, you know, they always kind of rev the engine for the crowd. Mm -hmm. And when the Corvette guy revved, there were two of them when they rev their engine, it was like, all the Corvette people just were—they were like at an Ozzy Osbourne concert, you know, doing the double horns, you know, like yeah, rock on, you know. Yeah. And, and then the Porsche people is the same thing, same thing, you know. And um, Corvette was a little louder, yeah, <laughs> right. And then what were the other um, the other cars? BMW, BMW, yeah,
1: yeah, and Ford. We can't forget the and Ford, Ford. the yeah. Ford GT.
0: Yeah. So it, I love that. And
1: Bonehead mistake by the Ford GT crew for the race, but nevertheless,
0: you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the, 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 there were Ford fans there, too, you know. Oh, yeah. And, and it was cool, too, because normally you think you're at these car races and it's more of a guy thing, you know. Mm-hmm. But there were a lot of women there that were just as passionate as the men. I mean, mm-hmm. especially when the Corvette guys came and revved their engines, the women were just – kicking ass, you know? And I was like, this is cool. And then we were up on the bleachers and, you know, it's like one of the, it was like a bleacher, roughly the size of what you would see at Poway high school, like for a football game. But when you got up to the top and you looked down the main straightaway, there was bleacher section after bleacher section, after bleacher section, like as far as I could see. And I didn't realize how many people were there. Um, because, you know, when you're in the little Corvette Corral, you know, it's like there were about what hundred, a hundred cars. Yeah. So about 200 people, about 200 people. And then, you know, when you're cruising around in the paddocks, you know, it's a, you know, there's a lot of people, but I didn't realize how many, when the race started, I mean, it was just those bleachers thousands. were full thousands yeah. and thousands. Um, and then, yeah. And then we, um, we walked around, you know, before the race, we were in that one other turn that was in the corner.
1: Right. And At the end of the straight, we, we
0: took, I wanted
1: to get a gander of what the straight looked like. The, the back straight. Yeah. The yeah. Straight, the back yeah straight. That was like
0: in the, yeah, exactly. Yeah, And that was the first exposure to that. And then we got to see, you know, there's obviously, you know, video guys, camera guys, they got the big screen going on there. And there was on television too, yep. in the helicopter above. Um, then, um, during the race, yeah, we eventually walked down to that that main corner. What is it? Turn number uh, ten and eleven. Ten and yeah. eleven, and yeah, it was an exciting spot to be because they have to really slow down. It was almost almost a hairpin turn. Yeah, um, but I just um, and and in twenty seventeen, there was
1: a huge race winner determining wreck on the last lap at that turn. Yeah, you told me that story. So it was it was a big thing
0: so i I think th- there there are a number of things that that struck me a, a, across the whole day, and number one was of course, the pageantry of the racing that i I realized that I missed because mm-hmm. um, I used to race bicycles as a kid mm-hmm. when I was a teenager and I, it was a huge part of my life. And it's something that I've been dabbling with and maybe trying to start to do again just to get myself in shape and be active. And um, But that race at Long Beach and the pageantry of it really gave me a boost of motivation on that level. Good. Okay. Um, to really pursue racing just in general, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's cars or bicycles or whatever it is. The competition. The competition – the fanfare, the the colors, right? Yep. The excitement, um all of that. Get it gets your blood going. It gets your blood going, yeah. It was cool. Yeah. That was big. The Corvette Corral was big. Um it was everyone pursuing their own happiness. But there's another angle to this that's important to talk about. And this is about um getting out of your comfort zones, which is a podcast I recently did. And <coughs> you know, I'm really pleased that you invited me and thank you for that. Um, now it's easy. We get older. Mm-hmm. It's weekend. Hey, you want to go to long beach? You're like, eh, you know, there are times long periods where I, I would just do that. You know, I would be invited to things and I would figure out a way to say no, mm-hmm. uh, because I was in a comfort zone. Right. Um, and I would, um, essentially deny myself, you know, and I would deny trying new things. And it's it's damaging in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. because you just slowly circle the drain and get stuck in your rut. And I've been stuck in a rut for a while. And that's why I'm, I'm really been this whole year. I've been pushing myself to get out of it. And so what I'm trying to do now is that when those opportunities come up is to figure out a way to say yes. Mm -hmm. And I'm still struggling with that because there are times where even just this week, I was invited to join a friend to watch a a basketball game, a game that I wanted to see. I had something already scheduled that Mm -hmm. day. Could I have bumped that to make room for something else and shuffled the deck and rearranged? I probably could have. But I chose not to. And I think when I do that, I'm hurting myself. And so it's it's good that I said yes. And I had a great day as a result of it. I'm glad. That was the mission. Yeah.
1: Okay. The, I usually go to races um, with a friend of mine that I've had since I was two years old. He couldn't make it. To Long Beach, and I said, the "Very next person on my list was John Riley," and I, I said, "I called you mm-hmm. just to see if you were interested in it," and I subsequently did a little bit of a sales job. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad you <laughs> okay. did. Okay, but it was important to, for me. Uh, now that I've got to know you a little bit better, uh, starting to get into the friend category. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Right? Um. This was something that I knew was totally alien to you. All right, you had you have no um, involvement in cars other than you're hard over for electric cars, which I endorse. Okay, good. Okay, I think they're still working out the nuts and bolts. Oh, of course, they are. No, there's <laughs> okay. no doubt. It's it's, yeah. it's
0: it's uh on a growing learning yeah. curve. So, but I wanted to
1: to see if. You, walking into the Long Beach Grand Prix, could see that and get out of it what I thought you might. And you did. Cool. So, right good, on.
0: good job, John. Yeah, right, right on. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad I went. Um, you know, and, uh, I mean, I, I've joked before, and this is really half joke, half of, of a personal jab at myself, but I've watched Game of Thrones three times through all the way, like season one through seven. Mm-hmm. I've done that three separate times. I'll do that on a weekends where I'll just be in binge mode, just just devouring, you know, streaming media. And I get in that rut. And But you also have,
1: out of that experience, and, and I'm similarly afflicted <laughs> with, when I find something of interest like that, yeah, I will totally immerse myself, yeah, uh for a while, but then I'll pull oh, yeah. out of it, yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. I'll move on to something else, yeah, all right. Um, right now, I'm deeply fascinated with the scientific details and the effort that went into the movie Interstellar. They <laughs> deal with four possibly five dimensional experiences. It's fascinating.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I'm a scientist. Everything I do is on a graph. Right, yeah. I'm looking looking at time horizontally. Yeah. Okay, all the time. That's the x-axis. Yeah, the x-axis. Okay. (laughs) You don't get to do that. Your life is not like that. You're in a constant, repetitive past, present, past, present, past, present. You're living in the here and now. I just turned 69. There's not too many of those left. (laughs) All right? So I'm going through an analytical process now of my life. All right? And I'm examining all the different things I've done. And I'm trying to create a mental Tesseract. Tesseract? What's that? It's a multidimensional way of looking at things. Beyond the three dimensions, length, width, height. Yeah. Bring in the fourth. Fifth, more dimensions. Okay. All right. Look at time. The way they portrayed it in the movie Interstellar, it's fascinating. They did a visual representation of a tesseract, which is a four-dimensional
0: space. It's fascinating. i got to look that up. You've talked about that before. (laughs) And I never followed up on it, but I should look that. Coming back
1: to the rut. Yeah. Okay. You're stuck in a rut because it's comfortable. Yes. All right. It's a comfort zone. Comfort zone. Right. All right. When you branch out out and do something different, it can open up another opportunity. It it totally does. It can be in a a Eureka moment.
0: Yes. 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 Not all of them. Right. Of course.
1: uh, I have no interest in doing that whatsoever. my trip to New Orleans, no. I have no interest in going back to New Orleans ever again. Right. You know, if it sinks, it's fine with me. Global warming, yes. Water rises, New Orleans goes away. I'm okay.
0: <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. I'm going to reserve judgment on that one. Okay, but go ahead. A lot of people enjoy it. They yeah. love it. I mean, yeah. it's a major
1: area. I've never been, actually. Fascinating. Yeah. Once. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but to, to your point, I am really glad that you got out of it what you did. Let me ask you a question. In the corral, yeah, we went over and went to the paddock area. We saw the Ford GT, before mm-hmm. this Porsches. We saw the BMWs. Then we came back over to the corral for lunch. Right? Yeah, and they had speakers. Yeah, they did. All right, did you get anything out of those speakers?
0: Um. Well, I got a few things out of it. I mean, I'm probably from a different perspective than a lot of the Corvette owners because they were there hungry for information. Mm -hmm. Right. I love the fact that the General Motors team made their people available because it'd be easy for them, you know, to not do that. Mm -hmm. So I thought it was a good marketing move by Mm -hmm. their organization. Um, I thought that – they were careful in what they said. I mean, because they had the C eight and they could only say so much. But they there were some hints, mm-hmm. you know, a little playfulness and what they were how they were saying it. Teasers. Teasers. Um, but I love that they were able to take questions from the audience, and you um, know, it's in a way it was almost like a press conference. You know, where they just get hit up with all these questions and they could answer many of them, but couldn't answer others. Um, they had fun with it, um, and then who was the the racer the the it lends his name to a lot of things. He's a oh, Canadian uh, racer. Yeah. Um, what was his name? Hang on, it'll come
1: to me because he's sponsors the Spring Mountain Race. Ron something. Yeah. No. Uh, Ron Fellows.
0: Ron Fellows. Yeah, and I had I had heard his name like somewhere. Yeah, I've heard his name. He's almost our my age. He's almost my age. <laughs> but so. he he was a cool guy. Yeah. And and I, I had to look up his bio to really understand who he is and what he's all about. But I enjoyed listening to him and sharing some of his stories and what he's done in his racing career. And he talked about his wife and his children. And, and I thought that was that was great. Mm-hmm. So for the Corvette clubs that were there that are just so over the top enthusiastic for the Corvette brand, mm-hmm. they were able to get a lot back. You know, yeah. they, they they were able to basically, you know, connect with the important people at General Motors. They got questions answered. They met important people. Plus, of course, they're sharing stories amongst themselves, checking out the cars, you know, their friend's car, the other people pulling in. It was interesting, though, that I wondered why it was almost all mostly newer Corvettes and not like the Route 66 Corvettes and right. then you brought up the point well this is a race these are like the high performance people right. rather than the vintage people. Correct. And I okay that makes sense. But I hadn't really thought that through. Yeah. But yeah I I thought uh But by the answers
1: there. to the trivia questions there were people who knew the vintage cars there too.
0: It was insane how much the—I mean, they—they they were asking questions about the number of cars that came off the production line in certain years, and—and and these people like they knew the answers. Yeah, but see, that's the beauty of 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 this whole concept of people passionate in a narrow category. Mm-hmm. Um, Because I can get a bunch of people together, and you can ask them the most obscure baseball trivia questions, and they know it. Okay, and I love that how people in their category are completely immersed, yeah, um, because they love it so much. Um, And it's the same thing. And so, you know, to an outsider, they might say, "Ah, that guy, you know, he's a nerd. You know, he's Mm -hmm. just like over the top geeky over that topic." But But that. That's their comfort zone. Oh, I never thought of it that way.
1: That's what I wanted to get them back around to.
0: Oh, an interesting way to think of it that way.
1: All right. They are in their rut, okay? Their comfort zone. This is where they feel comfortable. And they
0: share it. Yeah, but you, you know, th- th- that's an interesting point because comfort zones can be positive or negative. Oh, yeah. Right? And sometimes comfort zones can be so positive like Mm. this that they might turn into a negative. They could. I mean, when comfort zones are bad,
1: when you start and you brought it up, you start saying no to other opportunities. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. So again, it comes back. You broke out of a comfort zone. Yeah, you I You went to the Long Beach Grand Prix. And I'm glad I did. And, and by going to it, it did open up new things. Mm-hmm. It was an inflection point for me because it was, again, I was excited about the pageantry of the race. And then just last weekend, um, we were up in Santa Rosa, and my daughter just finished the Ironman. She went 140.6 miles in one day. It took her 15 hours. But um, it was an incredible event. And I had been to some of her other triathlons and have always enjoyed the event, you know, always mm-hmm. enjoyed being there for my daughter. But I remember specifically being there in Santa Rosa and thinking about the Grand Prix and thinking about the pageantry, the, the colors, the excitement, the competition from that perspective Mm -hmm. and it gave me a deeper appreciation of the Ironman triathlon and it made me even more encouraged that I need to start doing more things. So, it was a break out of a comfort zone. It was an opening of new ideas. It was a meeting of new people and it was definitely a eureka moment. So, all these things we've been talking about on living your life yeah, it all comes together. Yeah, exactly. And it meshes nicely. It's beautiful. Um, and it's all different ways to pursue happiness. Mm-hmm. And all these ways we, we have these touch points. And you can't reach those touch points if your ass is on a couch all the time. Right. You know, I mean that. No, what's the St- studying word? Studying a tesseract. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> right. But, you know, your pure point, you got to pull back and you got to try new things. And so um, to me, I, I, I appreciated the race from that perspective. Besides the fact that it was a lot of fun, yeah. you know, you see these cars whizzing by. The cool part of the race that I enjoyed was that classic TV shot where they go by that um, kind of a flower island. It's like something you'd almost see at the Del Mar oh, races. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and that's kind of a, you know. A great, you know.
1: Of course, I look at it from a different perspective. I look at it for how far are tires over on the rumble strip? You know, right, right. Uh, is is he hitting the
0: rumble strip right? Yeah. But you're seeing the flowers. That's cool. But but, I, but I'm seeing it as part of the color. <laughs> you know, that comes to the race because the color is visually stimulating. The color of the cars, mm-hmm. the color of the flags, um, the color of all of the the marketing that we see. You know the brands, the logos, uh, and then the color of you know, the flowers. I mean, it was a beautiful day too. So yeah. the big blue sky. That, that's I mean that's one of the shots they get for the
1: cameras for the new for the sports coverage is because yeah. it is so picturesque. It's that perfect. That turn is
0: just unbelievably it's picturesque. Like a, kind of like an S turn, sort of, isn't it? Yeah. 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 So. Um, so, anyways, it was it was a great event for all those reasons. Two and three
1: turns. Two and three.
0: Okay. Yeah, because that was right after the, yeah, and that makes sense, okay. two and three. Um, but yeah, I guess that, that's that's really what I wanted to share about the event, you okay. know. Well, I asked you about
1: the speakers. Yeah. And uh, I was glad to see the people from GM there. Yeah. Supporting the yeah. Corvette racing. Because that's, there's questions whether the Ford is going to back the Ford GT this next year. It's It's a big question mark is whether Ford is going to support Ford GT Racing next year. So this may be Ford's last sponsoring year. Why
0: why wouldn't they? It's like financial concerns?
1: I didn't dig into it. It's Ford.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I have Ford friends. Sorry, guys, when you're watching this. You know know what's interesting is um, how people can be so loyal to brands. Oh, yeah. And it's fierce amongst you know, the race fans. And, uh, and it's like, it's the, you see it on, you know, pickup truck. People are the same way. Like how many times have you seen like a big Ford pickup? I'm that way. And then there's a, they have a sticker on the back of the window and it's Calvin like pissing on a Chevy logo. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And, and, And so it's funny how people organize themselves into these groups. And, you know, you're a Chevy fan, a Ford fan. You're a Yankee fan, or Red Sox fan, and yeah. it even plays into politics. I won't go there, but, it no, is, but the same thing is true there, too. The Habad. Yeah.
1: Look at the division that's camped in Poway since then. Oh, yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, we got to stay out of politics. Okay. <laughs> but, I mean, the divisions that are taking place are horrific. Yes. Absolutely horrific. Mm-hmm. People have got to understand, we're in this as a team. We're a species. Yeah, yeah. Okay? Yes. There's not too much that separates us from everybody else. But it's not going to change my opinion of BMW and Porsche. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's yeah, – I it, And KPBS license plate frames. Uh, no, Never, okay. ever, ever get behind a KPBS license
0: plate frame. <laughs> They probably drive like me. Probably like Chuck. <laughs> and I don't have a KPBS <laughs> license. Not that there's anything wrong with that. So that's like a Seinfeld reference yeah. there. But but it, it is interesting that as humans, we're, we naturally gravitate into these groups. And a lot of times it's fun and exciting and we're passionate. But other times there's a dark side to it, mm-hmm. right? And that's what we saw with the Chabad thing. But um, anyway, let's try to stay out of politics. Out of <laughs> yeah, for now. A lot of other podcasts will go into that. But... Um, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. So th- it was cool having those GM guys there. They, and, okay, and the four guys weren't. That's interesting. One final there. note on that little tangent we took. Yeah,
1: you got to understand. I poke Porsche, BMW. I know you do
0: humorously. I know you do, okay. and it is in all good jest, good I, fun.
1: And you know, I have no problem with your own fetishes over your yeah. particular yeah. car. I encourage you to do it. Okay. So don't take it offensively that I poke fun at BMW and Porsche, even though they deserve it. (laughs) (laughs) See, I'm the same way with Dodger fans. Now, there's one thing. my, My primary motivation to coming in and interjecting into this podcast, which was your podcast about Long Beach. Yeah. All right. But I did want to get something in here. Several months back, the news was full of GM closing down plants.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. And all of a sudden, nationally, GM are the bad guys.
0: Right. We
1: bailed them out. Right. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Why are they doing this? Yeah. You know, well, the American public has thrown them a curve. All right. The sedan sales have been ebbing off. And twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen, 2017, 2018, absolutely crowbarred. Right. Everybody's buying SUVs. Right. Good. Shows that the nation is growing with larger families. Mm -hmm. Cool. And I'll tell you, it it even wore on me a little bit. I said, geez. I mean, I've been in corporate... I was in a large company. I was with Smith's Aerospace International Company. I was with Scientific Atlanta, the people that used to build the Cox boxes and stuff. So I know how stratified companies become. Yeah. All right. And I stand there at that corral, and here's this guy, introduced himself as the VP of quality. And he talked for about, what, 10, 15 minutes? Yeah. About... His particular job. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, I I got a quality issue. And I'm going to go talk. I don't usually talk to the people. I don't, you know, usually go up and talk to them after. I just listen to them all and wander off and go pay attention to the race. But this time I said, I want to talk to this guy. Oh, we waited about 10 minutes after he got done speaking and he was wandering through the crowd. I I waited about 10 minutes before I went up to him. And I said, I got a quality issue I want to talk to you about. Would you do that? He said, yeah. I said, you want to come see it? I said, he said, sure. I said, Mm -hmm. it's only only four cars down.
0: Right on. Okay,
1: good. So I took him out to the parking lot. Mm -hmm. And I said, here's what I call a quality issue. I've owned three Corvettes. On this Corvette, Calypso, mm-hmm. this is taking place, and I've never seen that before.
0: So and I this know, was like something with your upholstery, with the, or was it? With the leather, on, on the leather upholstery
1: on the door, right where you put your arm, if you get the windows down, the top off, you're yeah. enjoying the scenery, you set your arm there. Yeah. The leather was delaminating. Ah. Okay. And uh, – he looked at it and he says, I've never seen this. Aha. Uh-huh. He says, do you mind if I take a picture? Yeah. No. Go ahead. So he got his iPhone out and he took a couple of pictures of it. And we're sitting there and I said, you know, I said, this is going to be an issue when I go to the dealership to talk to the dealership. I didn't tell him I already had. Yeah. Right. All right. <laughs> There's nothing they can do. Their right. hands are tight. Right. Okay. So I said, I'm going to have an issue with the dealership, but can I have your business card so I can say that I've shown you this problem and you are now aware of this problem? Do you Mm -hmm. agree that this is a quality issue? He says, I want to know what causes it. I want to know why this has failed. Uh Ah, good. All right. I said, could I have you? He said, no. (laughs) He says, at my position in the company, if I handed out my business card to the people here at the Corral, he says, you addicts. Would be tying me up all the time. I wouldn't get my job done. And we've got some serious issues we got to solve within GM. That's my hundred percent attention.
0: Candid, uh, good
1: points for being candid, and you know. On that and moment. I'm saying to myself, yeah. yeah, I'm getting lip service. Okay. All right. I was. Yeah. Okay. And I said, I got an issue. And I says, you knowing about it doesn't do me any good. I want to know about it. Right. I want to figure out is this a Failure on the part of the manufacturers that made this door panel. I said, my research tells me you went to the same people that make the Ferrari and the Porsches, leather interiors, and you've got that same supplier or supply, and it, it's failing. He said, yeah. He says, can I take a picture of your VIN number? I said, sure. So he goes around and he takes a picture of the VIN. At that point, the door was fully open. He says, well— you gonna say anything about the seat being worn like that? I said no. I'm not gonna say that's me. I'm two hundred seventy-five pounds, six foot four. It's a bitch getting in and out of this car. <laughs> that's normal wear and tear yeah. for me. He right. Says, well, what about the console in, in, in you know the center hub there? I said no. That's on me. Right. That's my elbow. That's yeah. where my my elbow is. Yeah. So yes, there's gonna be an indentation there. I expect that. Yes. All right. He goes hmm. I said, I still have no assurance from you. I have no way of pursuing this issue with you. You say you're going to do something about it. You won't give me a business card. I got no way to follow up. He says, I got your VIN number. He says, I'll know everything about you, where you bought the car, where you have it worked on. I'll have the entire history of the car at my fingertips as soon as I put this into the system.
0: Nice.
1: Yeah, I got more lip service.
0: (laughs) Okay. I came out.
1: I You were off running around the crew. Yeah, yeah. So I told you that what had happened. Yeah. All right. But I didn't expect anything out of it. All right. A week later. Oh, geez. Here we go. (laughs) I got a phone call on a Thursday night at 545 on a Thursday night from my repair guy at Courtesy Chevrolet. Okay. He said, Pete can you explain to me this email I just got? Uh Uh-oh. And I said, what email? He says, I just got an email about your door panel. we got to replace it. You want to tell me about it? And I started laughing. (laughs) I said, I'll be damned. This guy did something. Right on. That's great to hear. So I says, I said, "Look, I'm laughing too hard. I can't tell you. I'll come down tomorrow. I'll, I'll, you know." He says, "Yeah." He says, "We got to look at it. We got to order a replacement door panel for you, and it's a special because it's a custom built, you know. So, yeah, we got to know everything about that door." I said, "All right, I'll be down tomorrow." So I went down. I spent three hours there. Uh, the reason I spent three hours there is because not only did I talk to Raphael. I talked to his boss, the sales manager boss, and the owner. Right on. And they said, well, this has never happened.
0: Right, because some big wig at GM. We've never had an email from
1: this far up the food
0: chain. Yeah, yeah. I said, well, (coughs) who
1: is he? You know, I only know him as Tim. (laughs) He says, yeah, that's all you're gonna get. Right. Because he's up there. Right. So in a casual conversation, I mean, off the side, without the formal interrogation of how this whole thing took place, right? He says, he's on Mary Barra's staff. This is GM Global, VP of quality. This dude's like royalty. (laughs) I'm going, holy shit. Yeah. I says, this email, would you say, no, it's got too many names on it. It went through GM Global to GM USA, to Chevrolet USA, through two chains there. Seven people with titles of VP or better, before it got down to the dealership. Wow,
0: it's a high exposure project right here. This is, oh my
1: God. (laughs) And at the bottom are the pictures that he took, beautiful. Those are the pictures that he took at the Corvette Corral. That's awesome. Of the wrinkle in in the leather. I went through. I counted them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven layers of management of a major U.S. company. That's cool. He wants the door. (laughs) Just like he said to me in the parking lot. All right. In Long Beach. I was overwhelmed. a week later, they call me up. Your door's here. Come on know Another two hours of talking about the right, story. Right. Everybody wants to know about this damn story. I yeah. said, "Guys, I want the email." All right. And they said, "We'll give it to you redacted." So they took off all the. They <laughs> it's stripped like the Mueller all report. The email. <laughs> oh, <he's black laughs> it's, marks. It's the Mueller report. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I got no contact information <laughs> on these people whatsoever. Right. Right. But they all know me. Right. All right? It's it's riddled through here. Which is his favorite dealer? Bob Stahl, Courtesy Chevrolet. There they are. Yeah. All right? They found out from my VIN number everything about that car. And they got the door. And they installed it.
0: So this is this is fantastic. I mean, for all the reasons you've mentioned, right? You know, you got the exposure at the high, highest levels. But the point is they, these large corporate
1: Companies that everybody bad to be in the yes. bad guys. Yes,
0: there were some people that do their job. Well, they they mostly all do their job to some degree, right? But th- this is fantastic uh, because he's following through on his pledge of quality. Okay, and he's taking these anecdotal cases to prove his point internally, mm-hmm. to change the culture internally with all these other vps, right. to improve the manufacturing process and 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 the quality review of suppliers, of their whole supply chain. That's big. Mm-hmm. The other great thing about this is that he touched you in a very special way, you know. It was a way that connected you with you emotionally to the point that you are so excited about this that you're telling everybody how great I, GM is. We're having podcasts about how great GM is. He did more marketing yes. in five minutes yes, than the rest of that organization put together can pull off. That's exactly right. You <laughs> know, right. and so hopefully this story spreads. Um, now, the mysterious... A mysterious
1: final bottom line on this and I got no proof of this it's gone I'm sitting there watching the mid-Ohio race last week ago Sunday and my phone I'm, I lay down on the floor I like to lay down stretch out on the floor in front of the TV and watch the race Wendy's off
0: okay. <laughs> All
1: right. my phone's up on the coffee table Ding. Oh, I got a message. Who the hell's... Everybody knows I'm watching the race. Why are they disturbing <laughs> me with a message? Tim. Tim. How do you light your door? Beautiful. Corvette, number
0: one. And they just taken over first place on the race. Oh, okay. It's like the the sign from God, you know? <laughs> He's watching the race. Oh, he just acknowledged Corvette's number one. Oh, he, when he said that, he meant like who, in first place in the race, not like, hey, we're the best, right? Uh, perfect. It's, All right. There's a perfect timing. I to, was flabbergasted. Yeah. All right. And he probably knew you
1: would be watching. So I watched the race. All right. I thought messages on Facebook were permanent. Everybody talks about things being permanent and they're forever. It's gone.
0: Was it a private message or was yeah. it? It was.
1: Gone. I can't have it. I, I can't find it. But I got a, I got a Facebook message in the middle of the race from the guy. Ask, he knew the door had been replaced. Right. That was the other thing that amazed me. My old door, when they took it off the car, the first thing they did was put it in a FedEx box. It was leaving for Detroit. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's the way an organization should work.
0: By the way, did they take the whole door? The Whole door. So you have a you have a new door had to have the have the paint match and all that too, right? Not the not the, just the leather part.
1: Yeah, yeah. Just the interior of the door? Right. But the leather had to match the leather in the yeah, car. Of it's got to have the thread work in it. I mean, they had to do a yeah. a good job of the match, and it had a problem. Uh, yeah. Well, the thread on the door is new, right? The thread on the door on the passenger side is four years old. So it's a little I worn I had to get now. out there and I had to clean the door, thread on the door so that it would match. Now, So, yeah, it cost me about an hour's worth of work to get all the thread on the passenger door to match the driver's side door.
0: Oh, see, that's a labor of love, though. <laughs> <clears throat> it's like the commercial of the guy washing his yeah. car with Perrier bottles. So the point I wanted to make <laughs> was
1: there is a guy very far up in the food chain. That is very concerned to the point where he'll take a happen chance meeting, all of five minutes in duration. That's great. And did something. And I can only assume that he's a man of his word that the reason they FedEx that door to him was so they can go back to their vendor.
0: Yeah, of course. Remember,
1: they don't, they assemble cars. Right. (laughs) There are a million vendors out there that built make things for mm-hmm. and they put them all together. That's right. So the network, the organization of building a car, I, I think back to the guy, the plant manager at Numi up there in the Bay Area. He says if we had to build a car from scratch today, we couldn't do it. It's it's the mechanism of the corporate structure that makes it possible to build cars.
0: Mm-hmm. it's um, living testimony seven it, layers s- supply chain management is a very complicated logistical thing yeah. and um,
1: and by the way that's that, that's the that's the picture of the delamination that's tearing
0: yeah. wow it's all of about four inches long and it looks like it's peeling up a bit there yeah. so but um, so I, hope, I think it's a great story I hope he gets back
1: to me and tells me what the hell's causing it I gotta figure out if it's you know, the oil that I'm using for my dry skin is not good for the leather or it's, whatever. It may have been it's. something, yeah. But
0: it's good <laughs> yeah. that they're looking into it, and yeah. he's following up on his pledge to pursue quality. So that's great. Hey, yeah. let's, um, let's shift gears a little bit. Okay. You're planning a big road trip. And I, I did my road trip in my little electric car, like, last month, just yeah. to Albuquerque. But you're going east coast. So tell us Monday. a little bit. Monday. So tell, tell me, 7, like, the miles. executive summary of your plan here.
1: Um, I got a uh, YouTube playlist with my motivations. First video is just the trip. Uh, The second one is the primary motivation for me doing the trip, and that is uh, I'm going to have a series of ash casting ceremonies across the country. Uh, fifth video is, this is a promise I made to my mom. My mom passed away in December, a hundred mm-hmm. years, almost 101. She passed away on the solstice. I think she did that just to get to me because <laughs> she knows every yeah. solstice I go out and I check how my architecture is set up in the backyard and. Yada, yada, yada. So here was the solstice, and my mind was going to be preoccupied. So, yeah, she passed away just to get to me yeah. on that day. But I made a promise to her last year. Um, she's a, She loved cross-country trips. She did about 10 of them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I said this in one of the prior podcasts that she even did it in wagons, covered wagons in Canada. But they're not wagons up there. They're sleighs. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Well, my dad's first parish was in um, about five miles from the Arctic Circle. And he didn't have a church per se. He went around and gave services throughout the week to the different Episcopalians in his territory. So sometimes it was 10 or 15 miles between.
0: Yeah. So you'd have to travel. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So they had this thing. They called it a caboose. And it was an enclosed thing with a stove in it and stuff like that to stay warm. And that's how my dad started off his work as a clergyman. Now, my mom was in Saskatoon midway through. Mm-hmm. But back in her early days, I was at horse-drawn, covering territory. And she loved it. I got pictures of her cars and stuff. So this is right after the turn of the uh, the, the, the 20th century then, yeah. right? So she she wanted to do another cross-country trip, and she wanted to do it in Calypso. Well, when I got Calypso, she was 97, and uh, it didn't lend itself to a cross-country trip. She, got, she was my first passenger. I remember you showing me photos. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, but we talked about this, her wanting to do the cross-country trip, and then it got tied into her— What we recognized was going to be her imminent demise. And she says, I want to have my ashes cast in the Atlantic and the Pacific. I said, okay. And then we elaborated on that. I want to be here. I want to go here. I want to go here. So I put together a trip. And I'm starting on Monday to go to Richmond. Virginia. Richmond, Virginia. uh, To pick up the urn from my sister Hmm. my dad's in one half my mom's in the other half from there we go to my nieces down in North Carolina Cynthia and I are going to do Nags Head oops that's the first time I've mentioned my sister's name in a podcast oh well (laughs) get over it (laughs) (laughs) so yeah Um, Nags Head we had our Year after year after year, my mom loved to have the whole family, East Coast and West Coast, get together at Nags Head. We'd go there. Mm-hmm. I think I went to every one except for the one that happened around 9-11. Uh, aircraft were being grounded and yeah. we we, could, yeah. we couldn't get there. Mm-hmm. My daughter made it. She was in L.A. and for some reason she got as far as Chicago and then was able to get some sort of transportation down to down to, uh, Nags Head. But she made it i didn't that year, but we we went every year, so we 're going to have a ceremony at Head. then <coughs> we're going up to my the home I grew up in in Rhode Island. Another motivation this is two thousand nineteen it 's the fiftieth anniversary of my graduation from high school they're having a high school reunion oh, fantastic in nineteen sixty nine we graduated. I'm not going to hang around until September to the formal thing. But there's a whole bunch of people that are thinking 1969 and what we did in high school. I mean, mm-hmm. they shot the question, did you make it to Woodstock? No, I didn't make it to Woodstock. <laughs> I was trying to get to Watkins Glen for the race. Back then? Back then. Oh, good for you. But I didn't make it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was on leave from the Navy. Uh <laughs> Other well, friends friends I'd made in the navy and we were going to Watkins Glen for the sports car race and we ran into all this traffic in New York we said god there's many people going to the sports car race we're not going to be able to get in so we turned around and went home uh, missed the race it was Woodstock uh. <laughs> it, was, it was Woodstock was between where we were and Watkins Glen so right We ran into the Woodstock traffic and thought it was for the sports car race, but no, something else. So I missed Woodstock. But nevertheless, the high school reunion. I'm going to see a lot of high I'm going to spend a week in Rhode Island. Beautiful. Where I grew up, where the addiction started. Right. All right. I am going to park Calypso in the high school parking lot. Nice. Where it really started. Right. From the days where I... I was stuck in my mom's 1964 brown four-door Chevy Biscayne (laughs) with a radio on the console because we didn't even buy a radio for the dashboard. I had a transistor radio on the console. Yeah, there were GTOs, 442s, Mustangs, Camaros, Corvettes in the parking lot. I had a Chevy
0: Biscayne. (laughs) That was a humbling moment, right? I'm buying Calypso someday. Right on. That was another motivator.
1: So then from there, it's up to upstate New York where I was born, a couple of lakes there. I'll hit Watkins Glen with Calypso. And then from there, I lost out on Indianapolis, but I might hit mid-Ohio track mm-hmm. on the way back. And then she wants to have her ashes spread in the confluence at where the Mississippi and the Missouri Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Well, currently it's underwater. It's flooded. Yeah. All right. But the guy at the National Park Service tells me it'll be fine. Okay. All right. So when I go there, then I'm going to take Calypso up to 12,000 feet, going over the Rockies to the beginning of the Colorado River. Wow. All right. Now, I can't get Calypso to the actual beginning, beginning of the Colorado River. The last – the highway with a parking lot where you can get to the Colorado River, that's where I'm going to. It's 10 feet across.
0: Yeah. So what? what is that at the very beginning? Is it a – like a spring? It's a creek. A creek. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So – I, I tried
1: to talk her into the Grand Canyon or yeah, some place yeah. where you know that's famous where the Colorado is a river, yeah no <laughs> she wanted to be at the beginning good, this so, is cool,
0: so that's my trip seven thousand miles. I think it's awesome that she wanted to have her ashes spread in special places yeah I think it's awesome that you're following through on the promise to do it. My sister says look Atlantic. Pacific, we, everybody, we've
1: talked about that for years, but this individual trip, you know,
0: Yeah. she, she passed away, Pete, you don't have to do this. No, but, but see, you want to do it too. There's another excuse for a road trip too. Uh, yeah, and probably my last. And it'll be a fun experience. Yeah. Now I'm, I'm going to ask this next question with the fullest respect to your mother, um, but is it legal? To spread ashes, or you just because I know people have done that at Wrigley, uh, Wrigley Field in Chicago, mm-hmm. where they just you know do it on the sly.
1: It'll be very much on the sly because we're talking not a great quantity. It's yeah. something that's probably remember the movie Shawshank Redemption. Oh yeah, where he's building the tunnel. Yeah, and he takes the dirt, and he puts it in his pocket. Yeah, <laughs> and he's shoving it down the pant leg. Yeah. Ah, It's probably something like that may happen. (laughs) Yeah, I understand. It'll be unobtrusive. But Mm -hmm. for one state in particular that will remain nameless, they said, if an officer of the law comes and catches you in the act of doing this, you have to produce the death certificate and the certificate of cremation. You have to prove that what you're doing, are human remains, and you're off. If you can't produce those documents, then you could be arrested for
0: polluting. Really? Yeah. It's like ashes to ashes, right? I mean, it's all part of the circle of life.
1: This is a natural yeah, Of thing. course,
0: yes. I mean, my dad
1: from the pulpit used to say, ashes to ashes and dust to dust. Yes, I said, yeah. well, somebody's coming or going underneath the bed, you know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's my trip. And so you're leaving Monday, and you'll Monday. be back. How long? After Plastic Fantastic. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, that's on Sunday. Sunday. And so, how long are you going to be gone? Three weeks. Three weeks. Yeah. That's going to be a great trip.
1: Yeah. Five days. You know, four. I've got interim stops to do on the way back, which I just explained. Mm-hmm. But um, I missed America the Beautiful on my Route 66 trip.
0: Oh, you know about that? Yeah, where you drive over the the the. That's outside r- of Albuquerque. Yeah, you I, haven't done it. Yet. I haven't done it yet. No, I'll do it. Okay. We've got you got to
1: teach me about doing this podcast stuff and broadcasting video and stuff. I don't do I don't even do live videos on Facebook. Mm-hmm. All right, that's too much bandwidth. <laughs> yeah, but you, so you're gonna have to help me out there. Yeah, sure. Because I wanted I've got people who are traveling with me. You're one of them. Okay. Okay. Starting sometime. Virtually traveling with you. Virtually. Yeah. Yeah. Living vicariously. (laughs) Yes, that's right. Right. That's how I said it. (laughs) So I'm going to be sharing my location on Google Maps. And yeah, at any time you can pick up Google Maps and say, oh, he's crossing. You know, he's doing this. Nice. At the same time, I'm going to have a mechanism for sharing the pictures and the videos and stuff that I do. On this trip. So it's going to be fully documented.
0: You know, Right. You know me, Chuck. Yeah. I document everything. Everything. Yes, you do. <laughs> so that'll be good. Yeah. yeah. So. So, yeah, well, actually, when we're done with this podcast, I'll show you the the little video um, equipment that I use when mm-hmm. I do these little remote podcasts. Mm-hmm. And it makes it real simple and easy. Okay. Yeah. Something I can borrow for three weeks? Maybe. All right. We'll talk about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because
1: I have... <laughs> The other thing I did was, when I bought Calypso, it's all this infotainment system now. Yeah. All right. Not an 8-track player anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Cassette? no. Not a CD anymore. Yeah. I mean, we're talking thumb drives. Yeah. I said, oh, what's the capacity of this thing? And they said, well, it can handle up to this 64 gigabyte. Oh. Cool, I can put the music for my cross country trip on a thumb drive. So I was able to prepare for the trip, the first trip at Calypso down Route 66 with all the music. I got five different versions of the Route 66 theme song. Nice. On that thumb drive. Did you know that once they get these things up to terabyte size? that you will be able to put every piece of music you have ever heard in your life and have it available to you in your car
0: yeah i that's believe that's how it.
1: ridiculous this is Yeah, it's, it's so awesome yeah <laughs> all right so i said this is interesting i put it on facebook send me your music suggestions
0: mhm
1: all right i've got over 3 hours <laughs> Of music now suggested by my friends. Yeah, I think I difficulty. chimed in with a few. I've, yes, you did. Yeah. Yes, you did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Someone brought a tear to my eye. Yeah. The whole concept that I'm going home. Yeah. In both directions. Yeah, you are. I'm going home to where I was grew up, where I was a kid. So yeah. I'm going. Either way, the song... A long way from home. Yeah. It hit. Yeah. Uh,
0: 50 years is a long time. We should have put uh, Motley Crue's version of Home Sweet Home on there, too. <laughs> that would have been yeah. good. Yeah. But yeah, there's, it is, this is be a very special trip for you. Yeah. Um, and you're going across America, you know, cross country, and you're going to see so many th- great things. Yep. I've never made that trip before. I, the other thing i got to hit is the Route 66 halfway point. I missed it. I
1: drove Where's, right by it. Where's the halfway point? Just outside of Amarillo, Texas. Yeah, that makes sense about there. Yeah. yeah. There's a little thing they have set up on the side of Route 66, mm-hmm. and I'm going to be going in the opposite direction, but halfway is halfway. Yeah, it is. The only dilemma is, which way do I face Calypso? Do I have it face to the east or do I have her facing to the west when I have her posed in front of the signs?
0: I think it's got to be west because that's the typical path, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: That's why Route 66 was created. When you do the Route 66 trip, get off Interstate 40 or 55, depending on where you are. Mm -hmm. Go on to Route 66. Go to these ramshackle gas stations, hotels, and little communities that existed on the original Route 66. Yeah. Do that. Right. Because the people you meet... My sister asked us. She says, what was spectacular about your Route 66 trip? And after thinking about it, it was the people I met. Of course. None yeah. of them long-lasting relationships, nothing longer than a rest stop. Yeah. All right, or filling up the gas. But this country is filled with amazing people. Yes. and Amazing
0: yeah. stories. Yes. And that's what I hope to take out of this trip. So, again, coming out of the comfort zone, you're going to be putting yourself, taking a risk, meeting new people, new experiences, and you're going to be better for it. That's hope. (laughs) (laughs) That's hope. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. uh, Yeah. So there's a number of different motivational factors that all seem to fall into place. Is this a comfortable thing for me to do? (sighs) It's hard getting in and out of Calypso. I'm 69. Yeah. I'm already starting to, I'm having to lower myself into the car, right? The guy stopped me at Stater Brothers. He's in a wheelchair. He goes, how the hell do you get in and out of that thing? <laughs> I said, it's funny you should ask. Watch. Right. And he, he sat there. I was parked right next to the handicap spot, mm-hmm. so I showed him. He says, Damn, I can do that. And he turned around to his wife. He says, we're getting rid of the van. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> Another convert.
0: Beautiful. Yeah.
1: It is, it, it's tough getting in and out of this little puppy. That yeah, door, is. I mean, that's that's built to scale.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting that different cars have – some are higher and some are have much lower seating arrangements. And, yeah, you don't realize – how how difficult it can be until you're in that situation. Yeah. Now, so. I almost
1: bought a Caddy. When I bought Calypso, I came very close to buying a Cadillac.
0: Really? XLR.
1: There's a mix between Corvette and Cadillac. If you, I think it's the XLR, XLS, I don't remember. But I was really impressed with that car because it's got a Corvette engine, got a Corvette
0: drivetrain, but it's wrapped in a Cadillac wrapper. And it's sharp looking. Some of those old Cadillacs are great, especially the convertibles. You know, those are beautiful. So this one, the seat changes
1: position every time I get in and out of the car. Mm -hmm. The steering wheel changes the position. So when you open the door, the seat comes up. Oh, good. The steering wheel moves out of the way, so it's for ingress and egress out of the car. (laughs) Cadillac, the seat comes up and turns. Really, <laughs> it's a it's an option. Okay. It's not standard. You got to buy the extra seat turning option. But that, I mean, a car that will turn you and say, "Here you go." I,
0: I, it's amazing. almost can came, came damn close to it. I said, "Nah." It just reminds me of those those uh, those um, what do you call them? It's like a seat, a chair that's on the stairwell that takes you up the stairs. Yeah, it's kind of steermaster climbers, stair climbers. Something like that, yeah. yeah. That's I'm going to get
1: one. <laughs> I think that's cool.
0: Yeah. Push a button, up you go. Exactly. Almost like an elevator in the house. Yeah. I was When my mom
1: got into her wheelchair, I mean, I was after her to get a wheelchair long before she did. She thought it was a derogatory thing. It's showing her age, that she's feeble, that she's yeah. going to have to give up the walker. I said, Ma, it's... Oh. It's electric. It's automated. Get yourself a wheelchair. Yeah, she had a ball in it. Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: Always drove it in
1: low speed, but
0: still, you got a little joystick there, man. Joystick. Yeah. She can rev her engines like at the Long Beach Grand Prix. Yeah.
1: (laughs) If I, when I get to that point, I'm buying a Corvette seat. I'm going to buy the 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 racing seat
0: with the with the H. Oh, nice harness. Nice. That's my wheelchair. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we'd spot you going down Poway Road yeah. on that. Yeah. Well, good. Well, I wish you well on this trip, you know, and I, and I might be joining you for Plastic Fantastic. It kind of depends on my family. It's my daughter's in town. My mm-hmm. son's in town, too.
1: It's free for those of you that are interested. Sunday, um, the cars will be showing up at an ungodly hour. Okay. But the show, we say 10 o'clock. Till three o'clock, I think, is what. And that,
0: we'll see a lot of the vintage cars too, right? Oh yeah, big time. Yeah,
1: big time. Those are gorgeous. We tr- we tried to talk Chevy into releasing the Z eight at plastic, but no, they got to wait till July. Mm. So, yeah, yeah. No C eight this year, but there will be at least one or two ZR ones there. Nice. You can count on it. Those are the. As a matter of fact, our club president has a Callaway modified.
0: You showed me that car. It was beautiful. That's really souped up. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Way too much horsepower for me. Yeah. I mean, I got myself in trouble with my 480. Yeah. but
0: Yeah. Well, Pete, thank you for joining me. And thanks for, you know, the, the invite to the Long Beach Grand Prix was great. I'm really glad you did that. I am glad I did it. I want to do that again. Um, it left... You're being there, you know,
1: watching you—that was a part of it for me. Yeah, I understand. It was. I got an immense amount of pleasure having you along. I hope I didn't scare you on the drive up or drive back.
0: <laughs> no, <laughs> drive up. You had your three hundred and sixty camera, and uh, yeah, you hit the gas. I mean, I mean, we were just—you know—g forces were sucking me into the back of the chair. I had a great time and, and um, got out of my comfort zone. I was around people, did, especially oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure.
1: <laughs> You're not supposed to pass on the right. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, get all these Porsches and BMWs on my left.
0: <laughs> and, um, yeah, got out of the comfort zone. Um, you know, it was around people pursuing their own happiness. It was great. It was a great, great event. And it was an inflection point for me. Yeah. So all these themes we've been talking about all came together. And so thanks for that. All right. Glad to do it. Good. Best wishes on your trip. And thanks for coming along. Right on.